Okay. Here we go. You can memorize scripture. It's really cool. It's really easy. Okay. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, who has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, casts no slur on his fellow man. Uh. Oh, come on. I didn't do this last night. No. Cast no slur on a fellow man who despises a vile man, but honor those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. There you go. You can memorize scripture. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, I would like to say, you can, you can bring up that beginning bit now, Aaron. I would like to say that I do love the Psalms. Um, last week, Peter spoke on Psalm 1, and it's teaching to meditate on Scripture day and night. And I really enjoyed what, he had, what they all had to say. Um, and today, I'm going to demonstrate how Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, did exactly that. Jesus' culture knew Psalms really well. Most of them had memorized them. Most of the people in, in his neighborhood, let's say, they'd memorized them by the time they were teenagers. It was that kind of culture where people, you know, it was very expensive to write stuff down, you know, uh, papier, papyrus, whatever, that, that stuff that you write stuff on. It was really expensive, so people memorized it. Um, and we find Jesus knew his psalms better than anyone. We find Jesus knew his psalms better than the religious teachers of his time. And he was able to give such beautiful, perfect interpretations of the psalms. And as we think about it, we see that the Psalms were definitely rattling around Jesus' brain as he was doing his ministry, because he knew them, he'd internalized them. For me, memorizing scripture is a little bit like having a cup of tea, and you want to add a sweetener to it, right? Like a sugar cube, let's say. And you take the sugar cube, and maybe you might, you know, splosh it around at the top and then put it back on the shelf. That's kind of like reading scripture and then forgetting about it and put it back. If you can internalize scripture, it's a little bit like taking a sugar cube, popping it in your tea, giving it a swivel round, and then it becomes part of you. It becomes internal. Therefore, you become like a flower that has shinier petals, that you have, uh, you have a better fragrance because that truth is in you. It's part of you. You can't see the difference between where the word starts and where you begin, ends and you begin. Do you know what I'm saying? It's beautiful. And of course, Jesus knew this really, really well. And of course, God knows how our brains work as well. So, let's take a look at this. This is a shortened version of Psalm 15. Well, I bet you. Uh, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? The person who does good stuff. I added the stuff. Uh, he who does these things, good things, will never be shaken. The psalm here, it's a great psalm. Basically, uh, it's bookended by who may meet with the Lord. The sanctuary was the place, uh, the tabernacle, for example, where the Israelites would carry around a big tent through the uh, desert, and that would be where they'd go to meet with the Lord. Holy Hill, that's a reference to Jerusalem where, you know, where the temple was, where the people would come and worship. There's also a reference to some. He would always climb a mountain to meet with God. Moses, he received the, the, the tablets, the, um, the commandments 
up on a mountain. He met with God there. Meeting with God is what this is all about. And so, to make it relevant to us, I want to talk about our prayer lives, and I want to talk about our, you know, our times of worship. Is that all right? Yeah, good. Come on, give me some feedback. Yeah, that's it, thanks. Now, come on, Jesus. Right. Um, sorry, can't rebuke an elder. Right, um, so, yeah, and at the end, we've got this bit where it says, he who does these things will never be shaken. It's like, well, hang on, how does that fit in with worship? Well, for me, it's a reference, it's a lot of things, but it's a reference to how sometimes in worship it can be difficult. Sometimes you're really wanting to go and pray, you're really wanting to dig into God's presence, and it's a bit stuck. And so for me, this psalm is some good advice on what to do when you get stuck. And of course, we're going to be seeing what Jesus, uh, how Jesus thought about that. So, uh, let's have the next slide up. The, the red section. He whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbour and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honour those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Oh, I better not do that facing up thing. So, this is like, wow, this is pretty heavy stuff. It's like, be good, yeah? Um, this is all about loving people, being kind to people, thinking of people well. But how does that fit in with worshipping God? Well, this is, uh, this is like the Torah revamped. This is like basically the laws of the early part of the Bible, put in such a way and displayed in a different way. Uh, and it basically, it's very clever, um, but we could read this and we could see, ah, oh, so being able to worship God is about fulfilling a goody two-shoes list in order to, you know, then have a really good time of worship by doing all the right things. I'd say there's a lot more to it than that. For Jesus, with the religious leaders of his time, they were saying to people, no, you can't worship the Lord, you can't come into the temple, you're not, you're not good enough, or you're not someone who is Jewish enough, or you eat pig, you can't come in, you know. You could read that and see that, and there's a bit of that going on. Uh, lost my place. You could say it's a little bit like doing all your really good homework on a Friday night, because then on Saturday night you can go and worship Jesus and have a party. You could see that. Thanks. Okay. Um, or you could say, you could look at it now and go, well, I'm not perfect. I don't do all these things, you know. I shop at this particular supermarket that actually doesn't treat its farmers very well or, you know, I do sometimes. I, I watch, I don't know, stuff on the telly that's all about slander. I get really involved in politics. I love to talk about Theresa May and blah, blah, blah. You know, I've done that. I do that sometimes. I'm naughty. But the beautiful thing is that that's not just about what this psalm is about. Yeah? So this list, don't feel condemned completely. No, don't feel condemned at all. Uh, 
So the thing about Jesus is he spent a lot of time meditating and reflecting on the Psalms. It's a hard thing to talk about because we understand Jesus as being fully God in one way, don't we? And so we think, well, Jesus knew everything because he was God, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, Jesus was also fully man. Jesus was someone who still had to memorize the scriptures. He still had to chew them over. And you can see it in his ministry. So uh, the first thing that this whole psalm, you can put the whole thing up now. Uh, The first thing that it says, I think, is it shows a relationship between ethics and worship. That worship is not just uh, about being a good person, you know, because some people go, oh, I'm a Christian. uh, I'm a good person, therefore I'm a Christian. We know that being a Christian is about loving Jesus. It's about worshipping our God, don't we? But at the same time, it's also about loving people. When Jesus, uh, he was asked by a, a teacher of the law who asked him, so how would you sum up the Old Testament? How would you sum up the law? What's the most important law? And Jesus says, okay, the one law is uh, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And I'm reading that. You read that, do you? And you go, uh, Jesus, that was supposed to be two, that one commandment, not two. What, why, are you, why are you making two things? Because the idea of loving people and loving God are intertwined. I'll use an analogy. So, for example, if I was to go to Aaron's house and I just wanted to have a really intimate time, not wrong word, a really close time (laughs) with with Aaron, like, and just sit at his feet and listen to his amazing jokes and just spend time with him. But I went around his house and I also decided to shave his children's head, hair, and also like be really rude to his wife and uh, maybe like break his windows and his favourite toys, I don't know. Um, If I did all those sort of things, but wanted to spend time with him, it it just wouldn't work, it wouldn't stick, would it? Because the truth is about us, we are God's artwork. All humans are. This talks about how much God loves people to the extent... How many? Oh, okay. Um, It talks about how much God loves people. Isn't that beautiful that even in in worship, people are bought into the sphere of that? Um, We are God's artwork. Um, The other thing that it shows, this could be relevant for some of you. It doesn't say, who may uh, come to the Lord and worship? He who has really good floppy hair. He who, and plays the guitar. He who... Um, is an elder, he who has really big elaborate prayers, he who knows a lot about theology. According to this psalm, those things aren't up there as important. The person who is capable of loving, that's really important to God. And of course, Jesus, he, he knew about this thing because he would say, Woe to you, hypocrites, who love to stand on street corners and be seen for your big, wonderful, washy prayers. No, Jesus was constantly referring to love your neighbour as yourself and worship God. He's bringing the two things together. This psalm is so powerful in that. You can hear this psalm knocking around like marbles in the back of Jesus' brain as he does his ministry. The other thing that we can say about this psalm 
Nice kids, love it. I love you, the psalm tells me to, no. Um, the other thing that this psalm teaches us and maybe can make us think about, if you're struggling to engage with God, if you're struggling in your worship, if you're struggling in your prayer life, uh, maybe you've got something that you need to confess. Maybe you've got something that you need to deal with. Maybe you have slandered your brother. Maybe you have, I don't know, put someone out of business by giving them a bad reputation, you know? If you're a bit stuck in your worship, something to think about. Maybe you need to say sorry to God before you, uh, before you come to worship him because he's, he wants that first because it's really important to him. Uh, yeah, of course Jesus was saying things like, uh, you know, if you come to God, if you come to bring your altar a sacrifice and you've done something against your brother or your sister, Jesus says, first, go and deal with the issue and then come and bring your offering and your sacrifice. This psalm was knocking about Jesus' head. He knew this psalm. The last thing as I think about when I think about Jesus uh, engaging with God and engaging with the scriptures, I didn't mean that other line, sorry. When, When he's engaging with the scriptures and meditating and reflecting on them, it must have been really weird for him as it opened up and unraveled before his eyes to then see that Jesus was this guy. Isn't that amazing? None of us have been perfect in this respect. Put your hand up if you've been perfect in any of the things in red. No? No. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I think she is, but I'm, I'm slightly biased. The truth is that, that actually, you know, we've let people down. I've let people down. You know, I'm awful at keeping appointments, you know, wasting people's time, for example. Jesus is a person who can say categorically, yeah, I've done all those things. Isn't that amazing? Because then he can say, well, you know, I'm holy. I cannot be shaken to the point of death. Even death cannot shake me so much. Even death cannot shake me because I'm going to get resurrected because I'm that holy. That's my last point, Andy. Thanks very much. (laughs) Yeah. And so what we have to think about as we worship God together now is that Jesus has gone ahead of us to make it possible for us. We cannot earn God's love. We cannot fulfill a to-do list of goodness on our own without his help. This psalm fulfills, this this psalm is fulfilled by Jesus Christ, who has done so much for us to enable us to be able to be able to pray, to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. So, isn't that cool? Isn't it a cool psalm? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it.